0: Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, here's your host, Patricia Raskin.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. I am really excited about today's guest I mean, truly, uh, it's really an honor. Today, we're going to talk about animals, how do animals communicate, how can we be kinder to animals, how can we treat them more ethically. My guest is Ingrid Newkirk, and she founded PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, which is the largest animal rights organization in the world, with affiliates in eight countries in 1980. She's the author of Save the Animals Kids Can Save the Animals and the Compassionate Cook, and her brand-new book is Animal Kind, Remarkable Discoveries About Animals and Revolutionary New Ways to Show Them Compassion. Welcome, Ingrid. Thank you, Patricia, very much for having me. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I know you wrote this book with Jean Stone, so you're co-authors, and um, it's, it's really wonderful. We're talking about the wonders of animal life, And how, what are the tools that we can be more kind to them? So I have to start by telling you, I was telling you this off air. So I have to start with this story. So where I live, you know, I'm really on a main street, but right in my backyard uh, by my patio are lots and lots of trees. So it sort of simulates woods. And I have these birds and these birds have these conversations in the morning and I feel like they're screaming. And they go on and on, sometimes for ten minutes, and and I'm saying to myself, first of all, I want to scream, what are you saying? And secondly, could you do it a little softer? (laughs) But I'm I'm really, you know, and I've been thinking about it because I I know they must there must be someone who can translate this. So I knew I was interviewing you today and I had to talk with you about this. (laughs) Well, I don't think anyone has succeeded
2: so far. I mean, what they have done, uh, ornithologists, people who study um, birds' sounds, know that it's languages. They have languages. They understand each other. They talk to each other. But we can't figure it out. And one of the drawbacks is that you have to have instrumentation. When you think you're listening to a bird singing, you are not hearing many, many notes and many, many sounds that are subsonic or they're at levels that you cannot hear with the human ear. And... If you record those sounds, you actually have to slow them way down in order to catch all the variations in between. So the language is actually much more exotic, exciting, Mm -hmm. fast paced,
1: and interesting than you even think it is. So, yeah, those are Mm -hmm. conversations. And are people, um, are there people that can translate the bird sounds or no? I think you said not yet. Not really, no. And all sorts of interesting
2: things have been done, including some awful things where people have planted electrodes in songbirds' heads and so oh. on. Uh, yes, I know. Um, Some of the people who study uh, corvids, the the crows, the jackdaws, and uh, rooks, and so on, have figured out certain words that they use. And in fact, uh, we had a family of crows on our balcony at the office. And there was a young crow, a, a baby crow, virtually. And I noticed that crow sometimes made a very unique sound that I hadn't heard And I was reading, and it turned out that sound meant... (laughs) Ew. <laughs> and what it was was I had put spaghetti out on some days and this baby crow apparently thought that was just disgusting and that was the sound <laughs> of him saying no not that but yes they, oh, they do so sometimes so... know that, that a certain number of calls in a mm. certain way mean watch out stranger mm. coming or watch out two people coming or a person leaving now. Interesting.
1: Yeah. I want to move over for a minute to animals that a lot of people have, and that's cats and dogs, particularly dogs. And uh, I know people who are very telepathic with their dogs and with their animals, and can actually listen and hear what they're saying. And um, I wanted to ask you about that, about communication, particularly with dogs and cats. Well, dogs particularly, I think
2: you're right, is that so much um, work has been done looking at dogs. Dogs pay such attention to us. They have to because every single thing in their lives is controlled by us. Whether they get a drink of fresh water or they go out to relieve themselves, it's up to us. So they really have to pay attention. And in my uh, collecting information for the book, I learned that most dogs, although I should say the average dog, you're supposed to know at least 200 words of the human language because of paying attention. And we don't even know one of theirs. Um, And they try this other communication too. I mean, they'll bring you a leash or they'll bring you a dog bowl or they scratch at the door or they bark when they hear someone coming that you haven't figured out is coming yet because their sense of hearing is so acute. Um, And so we really... Need to respect them, pay attention to them, and do much more. But they're quite clever. I'm sure you've seen on the internet all these videos of when you leave the house and they don't, they know you've gone. And then they pull the push the kitchen chair over up against the counter, jump on it, jump on the counter, open the cupboard, take out what they want, and actually put the chair back. <laughs> I mean, it's just mm-hmm. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But they also they have different senses than ours. They have many, many, many times uh, more acute sense of smell than we have. So when people are walking them along, um, it breaks my heart to see somebody tug and pull them when they're sniffing a bush. That's their internet. You know, they can pick up such amazing scents. They can know who went by, when they went by, if they were well or they were sick, if they were pregnant. You know, a dog can smell an epileptic seizure before it happens because of the biochemical changes in the body. Those all give a smell. And in fact... They are now using dogs to smell out the COVID-19 virus because like yellow fever or diphtheria... These all these viruses have a unique smell that you can't detect, I can't detect, but that dog knows the difference, which is why they're so good at the airports. They'll find
1: an apple under your shirt. Yeah, I was thinking about that when you were saying it. Well, I have a question around this, Ingrid. I'm speaking of COVID-19, and we're now in July of the end of July of 2020. So this show is evergreen, meaning people may listen a couple of years later, but right now we are going through a pandemic crisis of the coronavirus. So. I teach a lot of corporate webinars on dealing with COVID-19 and how do you handle it and and keeping your attitude up and social distancing and all of that. So we do the chat rooms. So when I'm leading the webinars, people will then comment. So one of the comments was, and I, I, I thought this was fascinating, we were talking about going back to work and how children sometimes feel as though now they're going to lose their parent again. Because you know they were with their parent, they bonded more, and now the parent's going back to work, and well, the child, you know that the child fears. Well, they see the parent again. So mm-hmm. one person put in the chat room and said, "Well, I have a dog, and how, you know, what am I, what I'm going to do? Because I can't tell the dog that I'm going back to work, and when I go back to work, they cry all day." And I thought, you know, that's a dilemma because at least with a child or, an, or a person, you can say look, I'm going to spend time with you when I come home, <laughs> I'll be with you, we'll plan a time to, but but how do you tell that to a dog? So what suggestion do you have to people who've really bonded with their animals during COVID-19 and now have to go back to work? Yeah, it's a very big uh, problem because it started
2: out as a problem nobody recognized. You know, when right. people went into lockdown People within two weeks were bored out of their skulls. They didn't know what to do with themselves. They were stuck at home. The dog is invariably stuck at home, has been stuck at home day and night. And to some dogs, and this is worth thinking about, a parson is a blur because they're at work all day. The dog just sits in the room with his legs crossed, looking at the wall, nothing to do, nowhere to go. The parson comes home, changes their clothes and goes out to the movies or to dinner or to, with a friend. And that's another reason it breaks my heart when I see people dragging the dog down quickly as if their walk isn't so important to them when it's everything if they've been shut up inside. So comes now. You know, the dog has finally had somebody to look at, talk to, watch, listen to all day and all night. And now this person is going to disappear. And then that's when we hear about separation anxiety in animals because you suddenly vanish. And animals who come from the shelter or who've been taken away from their mothers when they were puppies often suffer separation anxiety for the very reason you said is that no one can explain to them, you're now going to a nice home or no, nobody's going to abandon you again. You are now going to be with a family. You're going to be loved. These animals are very sensitive to this. So one thing we're suggesting is that people um, try to get their employer because they will be more open to it. When they go back to work, uh, these programs had already begun. See if you can persuade your employer to allow well-behaved animals to come to work. And we do that at mm. PETA, we always have. You know, if they don't bite, if they don't um, cause a major distraction, you can have your child or your, or your dog at work. And so we ask that. But the other thing is to remember, don't let this fade away. Your dog needs you and they need that long walk and they need that attention Mm -hmm. and they need a piece of you left behind and they need you on a schedule and they need to make Mm -hmm. sure you don't disappear in the evening every evening when you do come home,
1: that you spend time with them. But uh, Ingrid, do they have a memory like a child or like an adult? So, for example, you know, if I'm consistent with you and every night at 7 o'clock I go out with you, that's one thing. But will will the dog have that memory and know that, if you set a schedule. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, dogs, we tend
2: to infantilize them, but dogs, when they're grown and they mature much faster than human babies, um, really are adults, and they're paying attention to all sorts of things. They may have different quirks or different behaviors or different interests in some respects, but they're very bright, and if they know... I mean, even a fish... Patricia, this is so, even a fish in an aquarium knows if somebody comes home every day at 6 o'clock and feeds them, they'll swim to the other end of the aquarium near the door and be looking at 6 o'clock. That's a little fish who's about four inches long. So dogs, dogs, yes, they, they know all sorts of things. I mean, we see stories over and over again of dogs who know that an other, another animal or a person is in trouble and figure out
1: what to do. Yep. Know, so that they can right. help them. So, yeah, they right. they don't, know and a routine remember, and the routines. Right. And don't you remember, wasn't this maybe 10 years ago? Didn't a child at the zoo fall into a pit and the gorilla saved the child, grabbed yes, the child and brought it true. to the other end? Yeah, that's true. And there are lots of those stories. I
2: mean, we uh, often don't remember all the wonderful things. A pig saved a disabled child from a pond, dragged... That child out of a pond. And we always have these stories of animals, a parrot, a dog, waking the family up because they know they smell burning. They smell an electrical fire. They know that somebody has had a heart attack, whatever it is. And they'll go and get help or they'll jump on you. They'll bark. They'll say there's a gas leak. You know, and people have to not say,
1: shut up, be quiet, go back to bed, but pay attention to what they're saying. Amazing. We're going to take a break on that note. Ingrid, it's just delightful to talk with you. Such passion and amazing stories about animals. I'm talking to Ingrid Newkirk, who is co-author of the new book, Animal Kind, Remarkable Discoveries About Animals and Revolutionary New Ways. To show them compassion. Ingrid is the founder and president of PETA and author of multiple books. And we're just we're just delighted to have her on the program. So stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back right here uh, on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, I'm Patricia Raskin.
3: Streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com
4: A Braveheart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others If you have that courage then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you, even if you aren't yet. You'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input too Listen for Brave Hearts Radio Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. Join Five Time World and International Boxing Champion, mental health advocate, writer, and speaker, Mia St. John for In the Ring with Mia. After losing her ex-husband and son to mental illness, Mia has set out to empower those who deal with mental illness, homelessness, poverty, and addiction. Tune in and join Mia in the ring. And together, you'll find the help and motivation that you need. Listen live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
3: Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: Hello, everyone, and I'm so excited with this interview today. We are talking to Ingrid Newkirk, who is the founder and president of PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. And she's the author of multiple books. Her dedication to this world to make a better place for all living beings, countless others, have helped so many animals and so many people. She and best-selling author, Jean Stone, Explore the Wonders of Animal Life and the Tools for Living More Kindly Toward Animals in their brand new book, Animal Kind, Remarkable Discoveries About Animals and Revolutionary New Ways to Show Them Compassion. Welcome back, Ingrid. Thank you, Patricia, very much. All right. right. So let's talk about some interesting facts. What are some interesting things that we don't know about animals? Um, I've collected facts about
2: animals uh, through the entire 40 years of Peter's existence and beyond that, I think. But I still learned some things in putting the book together. I learned that reindeer, for example, see differently in the summer than in the winter. They have blue eyes in the winter, and they have yellow, golden eyes in the summer. They see in infrared And they actually manufacture their own vitamin D because they don't don't get much where they are. I also learned that dolphins give a unique whistle name to their babies when they're born. And those babies keep that whistle name for their entire lives. And if a dolphin knows the whistle name of another but doesn't see that dolphin or hear that dolphin's whistle for up to 20 years, the First time they hear it they know exactly who that who that other dolphin is. So everywhere Amazing. I looked I found fascinating things about snails, about elephants. Did you know? Here's this is one of my favourite because the snail is so tiny. I mean there are African giant snails that are the size of chihuahuas you could hold in your arms. But a little garden snail If they feel that they sense that a storm is coming, they will actually build with mucus a double door to the entrance of their shell so they can hide behind it until the storm passes. And we were talking earlier about birds communicating. Do you know snails definitely communicate? Somebody took two snails and put them in a garden that was quite sparse, didn't have very much to eat, really a poor garden. and. The one snail was not very healthy and one snail was robust. The robust snail went up the wall, you could see the trail, and over the other side, found that there was a fabulous garden over there with lots to eat, but didn't stay there, came back over the wall and got the frail snail and the frail snail followed him back over the wall again so that they could both eat. Mm. So, I mean, every, <laughs> everything you look at, let me just tell you a few things about elephants, because I, uh, oh, everybody I've, loves I've, elephants. Um,
1: there was a whole special on elephants, and and, there, and the way they, the sounds, and the way they communicate that's actually been documented, which I thought was fascinating.
2: Oh, yeah, and, and we didn't know. I would say maybe 10, 15 years ago, we hadn't a clue, and people who studied uh, elephants would say, well, they seem to have indigestion. They make this rumbling sound. Mm -hmm. And actually, Mm -hmm. it's subsonic. It's going under the earth. It's a rumble that travels one or more miles. And other elephants can pick it up. They hear it, and they don't just hear a rumble. They know what it means. So if it's a herd of elephants, and they have found water in a drought, they will tell those elephants, and the elephants will come. Or if there's a threat because, you know, Chinese zoos particularly are still going to Africa and rounding up baby elephants and taking them away, shooting the parents sometimes, is that they will send that distress call under the earth to the other elephants, and those elephants will hightail it as far away as they possibly can, taking their babies with them. But, you see, elephants love to swim. Very few of them are allowed to swim anymore, but... Places like Thailand, if they're not chained up for logging or something, they—if they, they can't—they'll jump into the sea and they'll swim. Sometimes oh. up to thirty miles, and they'll have their little uh, trunk
1: wow. above the sea as a snorkel. No, I didn't know that. That's amazing. I've never seen that. Wow. Yeah, I mean, they're all—all all the
2: things they do is fascinating. You know, we were talking about dogs' noses being so extremely sensitive. So are elephants. And an elephant can not only smell such uh, in amazing ways with the, that trunk, but can pick up a paper clip with that trunk. It's so delicate. Mm-hmm. And will use mm. that trunk to soothe and caress an elephant who's not feeling well. It, it's a, mm.
1: they're, they're all wonderful. Mm. Ingrid, what about monkeys and baboons? Because, you know, they're similar, right? They're, they're the next the next level yeah. from us. They're they're, they're our fellow primates, absolutely. And um, in the book,
2: I talk about how clever so many of them are. You know, they're escape artists. They put Steve McQueen to shame in The Great Escape. (laughs) (laughs) um, There are many stories. These are all true of how um, apes in research facilities that have an outdoor compound or in zoos, will actually uh if they see a piece of metal that they can use they will hide it they'll hide it in their cheek or they'll hide it behind their back they'll wait till the keeper goes home and they'll work on fashioning it just in the right shape and they'll work on that lock and sometimes they've got out they'll recently there were some baboons who uh, rolled two barrels against a fence when the keeper had gone and went straight over the wall. (laughs) And so, I mean, they're always looking for, I mean, why shouldn't they look for a way out? Who wants to be sitting in a compound or a cage all day? And so, yes, they're very, very bright. Monkeys will actually lay twigs at intersections if they're in the forest to show other monkeys coming behind them which way to go. And monkeys have different calls of, uh, warning. They can tell, one call might mean there's a threat from the sky, like an eagle, or a threat from the ground, like a poisonous snake, or a threat like a human being, a terrestrial threat. So we just, we don't know everything. One of my favorite stories is of a botanist who had trained this monkey years ago in Asia to pick exotic flowers that he was collecting Uh, for a museum, and once he came to the edge of an abyss, and he pointed down, there was a beautiful lily or orchid or something, and he said to the monkey, in sign language that he had trained him, is go down and get that, and the monkey looked over the abyss and said, not going, basically, and he ordered him to go down, he wouldn't go, and he ordered him the third time, and the monkey just looked up at him, went over to the side, pulled the vine up that the orchid was growing on, picked the orchid and handed it to him as much to say, you could have done that. So wow. I mean, they're
1: very, very bright. Wow, that's something. Yeah, and I think I've, I've seen or read stories how they'll brush each other's hair, they'll groom each other.
2: Oh yeah, right. absolutely. I mean part of that is practical because if you're living in the jungle, you can get bugs in your hair and I mean they can pick things out that shouldn't be in there. But yeah, they learn from each other. This expression yeah. the hundredth monkey yeah. is believed so he- um Yes, the 100-monkey effect, yeah. Yeah, the 100-monkey effect is that they were washing sweet potatoes on on an island. Right. Sweet potatoes get, you know, covered in sand, and one monkey learned to wash the sweet potato and wash the sand off, and then somebody else saw him doing it, and that monkey did. And they say,
1: you know, well, by the time a 100 monkeys, everybody knew it. It was just almost intuitive then. Yeah. Yeah, we see that here, too. Ingrid, I, I'd love to know, how did this all begin for you? Were you a child with a lot of animals? I mean, did you talk to the animals as a kid? Tell us. Well, Patricia, actually, I did
2: talk to an animal as, as a kid. When I was born, there was already a dog in my house called Shawnee, and he was uh, older and wiser than this baby. And we grew up together, or I grew up with him. He was like a brother to me. We slept in the bed together, and I slept in his basket. We went out in the car together when my mother was taking us somewhere. We both got car sick at exactly the same time. She'd have to stop the car and let us both out. And I loved him with all my heart. If you had said to me, We're going to experiment on him, or we're going to beat him, or anything. I I, I would have done anything in the world to stop you. We knew each other's emotions when we were happy, Mm. when we were sad. We were bonded. And so I never thought of him as a dog. I thought of him Mm. as my brother, my pal, you know, another living being like me. And we experienced everything.
1: What happened when he passed?
2: Well, I didn't know because uh, my parents uh, moved to India when I was a little girl living in England. And he was quite old, and they didn't think that he would survive the sea journey. So uh, they had me put ribbons in his hair, and they said, Shawnee will be coming out on another boat. And so we went out on our boat, and I was looking forward to seeing him. And then they said later that, oh, well, he wanted to actually stay behind for a bit. I was seven then, Mm. and I didn't Mm. know until later that, of course, they had put him to sleep. Mm. Mm. He used to wear Patricia. He used to go out in the village. This was when you could let animals out without worrying because we were in a small English village. And he'd wear my father's uh, sweater when it was cold, and he would go down to town and see what the grocer had for him, and then come home, quite independent. Mm. What kind of a dog was he? What breed? He was an Irish red setter, and my father got him because somebody owed him some money, and they couldn't pay him back, and they said, here, here's this pedigree Irish setter, which of course is totally Mm. meaningless. He was just, he was a wonderful dog, and so Mm. he was part of our family until we left the country.
1: What a beautiful story, Ingrid! What a heartwarming story uh, from so really from birth, you've been with this since birth, actually. All right, <laughs> we're going to take a break, <laughs> and when we come back, we're going to talk more to Ingrid Newkirk, who is the founder and create and president of PETA, which stands for People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Her new book with Gene Stone is Animal Kind, Remarkable Discoveries About Animals and Revolutionary New Ways to Show Them Compassion. And when we come back, Ingrid will talk next about Uh, you know, the treatment that animals have received and how can we think about this differently in terms of fur, in terms of uh, what we're eating, in terms of what we're using from animals? How can we use alternative things and how does that work for us? And how can we be more compassionate? You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we will be right back.
3: On Read My Lips Radio, producer and host, aka Radio Red, invites you to eavesdrop on her live, unscripted conversations with smart, savvy, creative people as she discovers what makes them tick, where they find their inspiration, when creativity first became their passion, and how their creative process can inspire the rest of us to think out of the box. Enjoy, aka Radio Red's always lively, cool conversations with creatives, Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn,
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I'm Patricia Raskin. Um, I'll tell you, folks, I've interviewed probably 5,000 people in my career of many decades. This is one of my favorite interviews. This is really important. It's uh, engaging and heartwarming. My guest is Ingrid Newkirk, and we are talking about animals. We're talking about the new book she's co-authored with Gene Stone, Animal Kind, remarkable discoveries about animals and revolutionary new ways to show them compassion. And Ingrid is the founder and president of PETA, which is People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. And we're going now to talk about what we can do in terms of treating our animals ethically and what are some steps we can take. Welcome back, Ingrid. Thank you, Patricia, very much. Okay, so let's talk about this. Everything from fur to food to anything we're using animals for. So go ahead and and share with us what we can do and why it's important. I think
2: we're reaching a new time. Those are an examination of our behavior. And one of the most important things is we've learned so much. that There's no need for us to be dominating of nature and to be afraid of animals. We've passed the time, you know, when little kids used to run out onto the street because the circus was coming to town. And that meant elephants who were taken from India and from Africa, separated from their family and their wonderful matriarchies with intelligence. And they travel hundreds of miles in a day. And here they were. Chained together, man with a bull hook, coming down through town and the children were, didn't realize what they were cheering for. And then in the evening mm-hmm. they'd be standing on their heads wearing stupid headdresses with some woman standing on their, on them. And you thought, this is domination. Oh, those days are going rapidly and they couldn't go fast enough. Because nowadays we know that wildlife needs to be left in the wild. Animals need to be respected for who they are, that they have emotions, they have intelligence, they have feelings, they have interests. They want to choose their own partners in life, like the little pigeon, who is so despised, mates for life, as does the swan or the goose. And they love their partners so much, they will give their lives for them. And they're excellent parents. We could take lessons from them sometimes of how patient they are and how they teach their their uh, young without any schools, without any pharmacies, without any GPS. They know exactly what to do. So the first thing is to learn to respect and not fear and not dominate and not make fun of and not think of them as subhuman. They're not. They're their own individuals, whole individuals. And the second thing I think is to say to ourselves, hang on, this thing I'm about to buy or wear or eat or entertain myself with, does it involve an animal? Because Mm -hmm. the time has passed for when we could take animals away and do things to them just because we have the power. Might doesn't make right, and we need to remember that. So you buy a cosmetic, a shampoo, a floor cleaner. Look and see, does it have a little label on it that says no animals were harmed to make this product? Mm -hmm. Cruelty-free jumping bunny logo, very wonderful. Nowadays, we're just talking about how monkeys are kept in chains in Thailand to um, pick coconuts. They're trained very brutally. And we're saying, look for the label on the coconut milk. Make sure there's a picture of a monkey with a cross through it, meaning this was hand-picked or this was machine-picked. wasn't picked mm-hmm. by an enslaved monkey. Mm. Um, mm. So everything, you know, you're, you go to buy a coat or a pair of shoes. Ask yourself, if it's made of an animal, was that animal a volunteer? Did they give up their skin? It doesn't matter whether it's fur or wool or our new investigation is into alpaca farms in Peru where the wool is sold over here. And it's just awful cruelty. So if you see an animal in the equation, you might want to think, that animal wasn't a volunteer. We're not survivalists. We have options. We have fabulous
1: choices today. So let me ask you then, Ingrid, if that's the case then do you feel we should not be using products that have wool, for example, or leather?
2: Absolutely, I do. I think that time has passed. You know, it's funny, we've got designers now, young edgy designers, and and people who are just practical, are making, mostly for environmental reasons, but also because it is cruel, and there are human health things involved in it. They're making leather out of apples, grapes, pineapples, cactus, recycled things, and this is leather that breathes doesn't smell like, you know, it's a cow. It, it, it's not. It's a fruit or something like that. And you might not even know unless you look at the label and you see well, that this is a fruit leather that's actually made into a shoe or something else. We've got
1: fabulous materials. We don't need yeah, this caveman stuff. And, and that's interesting because when you first said that, when you said no, no leather, no wool, I'm thinking, yes, but how about, what about these materials that are toxic, like polyurethane, for example. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things, for example, mattresses sure. are made of. I just and bought you, a mattress and I looked that. very low and high to find one that didn't have the polyurethane.
2: No, you're so, absolutely right. You, there's no need to use petrochemicals at all. But it's often the case which people don't realize. If you have a pair of leather shoes and you chuck them out of the window, you can come back in 10 years and if no one's stolen them, they're still there intact. They don't biodegrade. And the reason they don't is because they're no longer natural. They have been treated with these toxic chemicals, including things that cause cancer that leach into the waterways so that they won't decompose. Because when you take them off the cow or the pig or whatever you take them off, they're gonna start rotting. So leather that you you might buy or wear or have a handbag of is all treated. That those are really things that are environmentally nightmares. So but you can get cotton and corduroy and satin and fibers of
1: all yep. kinds. And, and, and another, um, another, another thing I want to say is the mattresses, I, was just, I just got a mattress, so I was thinking about it, is using the, the rubber that's come from the trees. So it's, it's rubber that's natural. And yeah. that's been, in terms of latex, in terms of latex, so the latex is natural rubber, and that makes yeah. a big difference. And and
2: absolutely, and there's so much recycling that's being done in innovative ways now, Um, or plastic bags being made into things, used tires being made into things, and somebody taking the plastics out of the ocean and making things with them. So recycled is fine. You can use PVC if you've recycled it, um, but we need to get away from anything to do with that's hurting the environment and that's hurting animals. You mentioned wool. People are stunned when I say don't use wool. They say, well, they don't kill the sheep. They don't hurt the sheep. And I say, go on our website, peter.org, watch the videos. We've been in every continent where sheep are sheared, and it's uh, really, it'll stun you. It's as cruel as fur because those sheep are very frightened, they're very gentle, they're very timid animals. They smash them in the face with the clippers, they stand on their necks. Sometimes they even twist their necks if they irritate them until they break them. And you would not believe how much they cut those sheep and then stitch them up. Australia, biggest exporter of wool, stitches the the gaping wounds up with needle and thread and no painkiller at all. So stay away from it.
1: Yeah, and and can they grow that that wool back? D- does this does it grow? Does the fur grow back? That's the other question.
2: Yeah, it does, and sheep. that means they have to be dealt with again and again. And of course, there's no retirement home for the sheep. Australia yeah. is the biggest exporter of, of wool in the world. Things end up in our stores here, and what happens to those sheep in the end? They get separated from their families. They get thrown onto a giant fore. Story or six-story ship, and they are taken to the Middle East, where they are killed.
3: Okay. Well, we want
2: to
1: be on a po- on a positive note. <laughs> um, it, it's it's a delight to interview today, Ingrid Newkirk, who's the co-author of the new book *Animal Kind*: Remarkable Discoveries About Animals and Revolutionary New Ways to Show Them Compassion. And when we come back in our in our final segment with Ingrid, we're going to talk about food. We're going to talk about um, vegan vegetarian, vegan, what's the difference between the two, eating animals um, and her take on this and what does it mean to be vegan and we'll talk more about that and how um, there's there's also health involved here uh, in terms of staying healthy. So we'll look at all of that in terms of food and eating, uh, eating meat and chicken and fish and eggs and chicken and all the other things as soon as we come back right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
3: Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. barry now presents his gifts to others as host of the joy of living all you need to do is tune in listen live every tuesday at 10 a.m pacific time and 1 p.m eastern on the voice america variety channel are you ready for a disaster if you are like many people in the world that answer may sadly be no
4: Join Chris Epting every week for the moment chris talks to some of the most amazing people you'll ever meet including authors artists and athletes and that's just the a-list these celebrities and public figures have interesting stories that all showcase the moments that their lives took a certain dramatic turn changing them forever and shaping them to be the person that they were meant to be listen for the moment with chris epting wednesday at 11 a.m pacific time 2 p.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel
1: In our final segment for today with Ingrid Newkirk, who is the co-author of the brand new book, Animal Kind, Remarkable Discoveries About Animals and Revolutionary New Ways to Show Them Compassion. Ingrid Newkirk is the founder and president of PETA, which stands for People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Her passion and dedication to making this world a better place for all living beings has inspired countless others to do what they can to help animals. And they explore in this book the wonders of animal life and tools for more kindly living with them and toward them. And again, this book is Animal Kind, written by Ingrid Newkirk and Jane Stone. Um, Ingrid, welcome back. Okay, let's tackle biggie. Let's tackle the biggie, the food. People becoming vegan, not vegetarian, vegan. So explain all of this to us, the differences between vegetarian and vegan, why you think it's so important, how do people really give up their meat, their chicken, their fish, their eggs. Talk to us. Well, today it
2: is easy as pie, tofu cream pie, because when we started 40 years ago, nobody even knew what a vegan was. Now you can't move five feet without seeing the word on a package, a grocery, in an article. And in the old days, I mean, you had to learn to cook. You And I'm not a good cook. I'm a good eater. So you had to know how to cook vegetables and rice and legumes and this, that, and the other. Today, you can go to any grocery store and yes, you can get fabulous veg- vegetables from all over the world and you can get uh, grains and pasta and rice and so on and tortillas and who knows what. But you can also get any taste, basically, that you've ever grown up with and come to love and don't think you can live without that's now in a vegan version. And there's mm. even vegan fish, this Gardein fish filet. They've got vegan caviar called caviar. Mm. There's, I mean, <laughs> vegan, <laughs> there's vegan camembert cheese called camembert, there for green. Yeah. I mean, if you look for it, you're going to find it. So, from meatballs to burgers, and California, the KFC just did what they've already done in the UK, and that is they introduced a vegan chicken, um, drumstick, a vegan chicken oh. wing. And you can get you know, a oh. bucket of six at the KFC and they are vegan and they taste I guarantee that no meat eater would go, Oh gosh, can't can't take that. It's the same same. That's interesting. Or almost same. I didn't know
1: that. I didn't know that. I'll have to try that. That is really interesting. I mean, Mm. anything you you want, Patricia, is there. It really is. I I was telling you off air that one of the people that I've interviewed is Dan Buettner. And Dan Buettner wrote the book Blue Zones. And he's a National Geographic explorer who's traveled all over the world to find the healthiest people on the planet and the longest living people on the planet who are healthy. And he came up with five things that were key to all these these five places on the continent, in the world that he found. And one of them is that they eat a plant-based diet. Healthiest people in the world. Well, it's absolutely true. I mean, you look at
2: our emergency rooms and look what's happening with COVID-19. These poor people who are succumbing to it have what they say underlying conditions, which is obesity, diabetes, heart, high blood pressure. These are the killer diseases in our society today. What are they all linked to? Meat and dairy. And you can't escape dairy. I mean, dairy is worse than meat. It just clogs your arteries. It's very, very bad for your health. So when they do studies like Bootner study, um, the Loma Linda study, uh, all these various, uh, the, the uh, China study, they all show the same thing, which is if you move away from meat and dairy, then you are re- reducing, drastically reducing your risk of the number one, two, three, four, five killers in the United States. You'll live healthier, you'll have more energy, and your arteries, all your organs will not be clogged up. Mm-hmm. So, yes, mm. it's a great diet, it's a great diet. Ingrid, what about eggs?
1: Well, Talk to us about eggs.
2: You know, when I'm in the supermarket and I see somebody who's got a, a, a box of eggs, and sometimes they have very pretty picture of grass and hens on it and a child holding a hen, and it says organic and this, and the other, I always go up to them because I know they're kind, and I know they're paying extra for those eggs, and I say to them... You should look at the videos of where these eggs come from because it's humane washing, which is like green washing, because there are no standards, and those hens are kept as abysmally as the hens we all know are kept so badly on factory farms. Hens I've, I've taken in foster hens. They all have individual personalities. People say to me, how can a hen have an individual per-? They do. Some are very bold and some are very shy and some are talkative and some are not. And all of them are smashed together, thousands of them in these cages, in long warehouses with the lights on 22 hours a day to escalate Um, they're laying uh, capacity, and they are Mm. just lying on each other's um, bodies because there's no room to move. They have less Mm. space than the size of a piece of
1: type. paper. Even the organic. Even the organic.
2: Most of it, you have to look carefully. You have to look at what it says. Organic only means no pesticides. That's all that means. But, you know, when they say fresh from the farm, it could be a factory farm that it's so-called fresh from because but, there's but, no qualification for it.
1: But so let I me think, ask you about this. Let me just ask you about Go ahead.
2: Patricia, one thing is we've got alternatives. So if, if you want that to. That was my
1: question. That was okay. my So many recipes <laughs> call for eggs. So many. So yes. what do you do? And we've just got two minutes. So go ahead, Ingrid.
2: Yeah, you've got all sorts of things. Egg replacers. There are commercial egg replacers you can use. And if I'm making a cheesecake or something without real cheese, I'll make it with tofu. I use a soft tofu as the binder. Or if making a scramble for breakfast it's not eggs it'll be tofu scramble with onions and green peppers and tomatoes and what have you there are on our website peter.org you will find all the replacements for anything an egg is a cholesterol bomb so if you only care about your health uh, but if you care about the chickens too care about
1: the environment don't eat them Thank you. It's been wonderful. I wish I had another hour. That has been fantastic. <laughs> can, people, can, can people contact you? Um, absolutely. PETA? Yeah, and, and right. PETA.org has all the
2: resources I hope anybody would ever wish to find. And if you can't, please just ask us and we'll get them for you.
1: Okay, and they can find you at PETA.org. Well, and yeah, they can absolutely. write you the website. Yes. All right. And do you give any workshops or talks?
2: Well, I used to, and I used to have a a book tour, but, of course, COVID-19 put paid to that. So I'm radio and podcast.
3: Okay.
1: All right. And the book is Animal Kind, Remarkable Discoveries About Animals and Revolutionary New Ways to Save Them, to Show Them Compassion. Ingrid, it's been an honor and a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Patricia, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Um, if you want my newsletter, please write to me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com. If you'd like to like me on Facebook, it's Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. And if you'd like to get your word out through having your own radio show or podcast, I can help you put that together. Just write to me, Patricia, PatriciaRaskin.com. Until next Next week. Have a wonderful week. Bye for now, everyone.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.